Roger that, Houston. All systems five by five. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Welcome to episode 151 of the Nerdfest podcast. This week's nerds are... John Arbor, Peter Johnson, Andy Chandler. And I'm Hazel Chandler. On today's love-filled show, <laughs> our nerds will be passionately talking about... Put away, Peter. <laughs> ...about the movies and TV shows they've been gorging on recently, including American Fiction, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, The Holdovers, and All of Us Strangers. And in the spirit of St. Valentine, I've concocted a quiz about famous movie quotes like you've never heard them before. So, let's get started. Sunday, I, I have a question for you. Very well. I, I've recently been suckered in to paying £1 for three months of movie. <laughs> I have no intention of paying them more than £1. <laughs> so, over the next three months, what are my top movie recommendations? Um, After Sun, which is uh, it was uh, Paul Mescal came out end of twenty twenty two. A man and his daughter on holiday at the end. Oh, just go go on holiday. It's a beautiful story mm. about a single father spending some time with his daughter. So, if you loved all of the strangers and you haven't seen Paul Mescal in this mm-hmm. film, which kind of brought him to the forefront, definitely check that out. Check out Passages as well, which was big last year. Mm-hmm. Ben Wishaw and Franz Rogowski. It's a love triangle kind of thing. No one goes on a holiday in that one. <laughs> and what else would I recommend? I mean, everything that's on there. One Fine Morning. Uh, sorry, is everything a movie or you just mean everything <laughs> on your list? Uh, everything on my list and also the film called Everything, which is about... Um, oh, I was going to make a joke about genocide. Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hangover talking. Yeah, yeah all things. There's some trash on there as well. I think Plan 9 from Outer Space is on there and other things of that standard. I was going to say, that's the way to appeal to John's nature. It is. Mm -hmm. That seems more up his alley. Yeah, more lowbrow than highbrow. I like a bit of of highbrow, but there's a few things on there I want to see. I I saw Bottoms a couple of months ago. (laughs) Uh, The Amazon Prime comedy, and there's a thing called Shiva Baby, which I think is the same person, the film they made before that. I think so. I I didn't get on with Shiva Baby, but maybe you would. Mm. Okay. But yeah, it seems to be at the minute that they're advertising all over Facebook so you can get £1 for three months. So, John, mm. did you like Bottoms? Um, <laughs> let, let's, let's talk about that. Let's wait for my review of... <laughs> can we talk about what an amazing year it's been so far for movies? Like, we've been at the cinema like maybe three or four times a week on average mm-hmm. since the start of the year. So much great TV as well. Um, I, like, I'm loving the start of this year. Yeah, it's been really, really strong. Some of them we're going to be talking about on today's episode. I think everything that's in this episode I've watched in the last week. Mm -hmm. I I guess kind of it's a bit of the hangover that we're getting the Oscar movies that were released late last year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I went to see The Iron Claw on Friday night. Highly recommend that one. Mm. That was really, really good. The Beekeeper. I can't recommend that one. <laughs> we haven't caught that one yet. Have you not? No. <laughs> it's one of the films that I enjoyed very much. I think, I think it's one of the things that those cinema passes that we have are made for, in that I had a good time, but I'd have been angry if I'd paid for it. <laughs> That's, I, I know I did kind of pay for recommendation. it. But... Yeah. Uh, TV as well. The Return of Gladiators. 
Oh, that's been oh, so fun. I've really, really enjoyed The Return of Gladiators. Yeah. Yeah, I'm it's loving been great. it. It's like proper nostalgia. They brought back some of the, the big personalities, the scary one, the vain one, and the nice so one. So are these new gladiators playing those roles, or are they... Yeah, the new gladiators, they are... Not people in the 60s. Yeah, well, yeah no. exa- exactly. <laughs> They're playing the stereotypes, but they are like different versions mm-hmm. of them, yeah. There's a lot of pro wrestling in it. There's um, lots of, uh, in terms of the production and the music and, and the lights mm-hmm. and all, yeah. um, and... The characters they're playing. Um, my my favourite one on there um, is called Legend, and he's <gasps> an absolute prick. But that's he's playing it on intentionally. It's his classic pro wrestling yeah. heel. He's actually hilarious, to be honest. There he, was he really um, there was a, uh, something that happened in the latest episode where there was a move where he um, was trying to get one of the contenders off a high level bridge with use of his body, and he's not allowed to use the scissor maneuver, which is where you wrap your legs around the contender. And there was a slight hint that he may have done, to which he replied to the referee, I have a physical condition, which means I can't close my legs properly. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I just nearly fell off the sofa. Um, it's, yeah, I've just loved it. The traitors, which I know I'm not allowed to talk about, but <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about the start of this year that I have just loved pretty much everything that I have watched. Mm-hmm. I've uh, loved lots of things, and I also saw poor things. Mm. Oh, I think we, we need to save that for a, uh, a future nerd yeah. car, I think. I also redeemed a movie, so Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, yeah, so you, you, you saw this 20 years ago when 20, it first came, came yeah, out. Yeah, 2004 it came out. I was, uh, oh gosh, I would have been 18, and I, just, I guess didn't have the palate to properly consume it properly. Um, and you mean I just, it was too weird? It was too weird, it was too boring, Um I was going through an anti-Jim Carrey phase hmm. and I don't know, I just, uh, I just remember like swearing that movie off. Like that was like, oh no, I hate that movie. Everyone loves it. I hate, I hate it. And then, I th- then it was coming out of the time side for its 20th anniversary um, and Andy suggested it and I was like, yeah, I really want to see it in a new light and I loved it. It's everyone is correct. <laughs> um, I sh- no one should listen to me. Um, it was it was really 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 good. I was really affected by it. So hmm. really good. Hmm. That could be a future feature. We could go back. We've got 151 episodes now of this, mm-hmm. and we've recommended a lot of things over the years. Is there anything we would have changed our minds on? Yeah, that would definitely be a good idea. There, mm-hmm. there must be plenty of times where we've only seen a couple of episodes of a series, and it's yeah. just entirely not oh. stuck the landing, <laughs> to say mm-hmm. the least. Yeah. Or I might have like recommended it partway through and been a little bit hesitant about it, but it like the ending has really, really mm. stuck the landing. So yeah, yeah it really did. Um, I, I saw the film once before and really liked it, and I really enjoyed it last night as well. But up until about halfway through the film, I was thinking, I don't really like this very much. It's not great. The characters are all a dicks and i don't really care what's happening but then it, that, it's just that's laying loads of groundwork and then it just gets better and better and better and yeah. better and it all ties up beautifully and yeah really good by the end yeah it was weird seeing mark ruffalo looking so young and elijah wood kirsten dunst and i was like mm-hmm. they're, they're in it they're in it they're in it and then yeah the two leads kate winslet jane carey they were they were brilliant um i had the thought afterwards there's only like a certain amount of people who could play that role that jim carey played where he has to be Deadly serious for most of it, but also incredibly childlike as well. Mm-hmm. I was like, the only other person I could think of who could have played that as well as he did is probably Robin Williams. I knew mm. that's who you were going to say. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, brilliant film. But let's talk about what we've been enjoying that's come out recently. John, do you want to kick us off with All of Us Strangers? I will. So All of Us Strangers um, came out at the start of the year. It's a new film directed by Andrew Haig and starring Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal. Is that the correct pronunciation of his name? Who apparently is a big rising star whose name I know, but I seem to have completely missed everything he's been in. Same here, actually. So Andrew Scott is a writer in a kind of pretty much empty high-rise block in London who is struggling with writing his latest script. One night there was a knock on his door and it is one of his neighbours who is um, Paul Mescal. And as they begin like a tentative relationship, at the same time Andrew goes back to the village where he grew up and where his parents died in a car crash when he was 12, finds his dad at the age he was when he died and goes back to his childhood home where his parents are there. He's an adult, they accept he's an adult, but they're there just before they died. Mm. And he's kind of navigating a relationship with his parents that didn't obviously come to a conclusion because of his parents' death. And um, I think, you know, his parents died before he he came out. So there's that kind of Mm. relationship to explore, as at the same time, he's got this new relationship with Paul Mascal, which is kind of growing and developing. There's some twists along the way that I, I don't think I want to spoil. No. 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 <laughs> um, but I absolutely loved it. It's based on a, a, a 1980s book, which I forget the name of. Just called Strangers, wasn't it? And then there was a Japanese film called The Disincarnates, which I, I understand was more of like a straight horror movie. But hmm. although it's based on a book and there's another film, it's a very, very personal film for the director. Yeah. So I think he's basically just taken the concept of the book and the very loose outlines and used it to kind of explore his own upbringing as a young gay man in the 80s. Wasn't it filmed at his family home as well? Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, yeah, the parents' home is his family home. Uh, the performances are beautiful. Andrew Scott and Paul Mascal are great in it. There's been a lot of talk about both of them. There's been less talk about the parents who are Claire Foy and Jamie Bell, mm-hmm. and they are also great in it. Yeah. I think Jamie Bell particularly is a, a wonderfully understated performance that I was going to say it could have been a caricature, but you, you kind of expect his character to go one way and react in one way to something, and he doesn't, and he plays that perfectly. Great soundtrack, lots of very, very mm. good 80s music. I know Andy and Hazel have seen this, but Peter hasn't. I felt it started to repeat itself a little bit towards the end. I, I thought we got to a conclusion of a story arc, and then that repeated itself a little bit. I felt that a little bit as well. Only a little, though, and it didn't really mm-hmm. spoil the experience for me. I thought it was wonderful as well. Paul Muscal is, is you really buy that relationship, and it's, it's yeah. nice to see something that is a gay relationship, but that doesn't really matter. It's just a really sweet relationship between two people, and the, and you, the way they kind of depend on each other and, and grow closer is, is beautifully done. Mm. I, I'm not sure how much I can talk about this as not a member of that community, but I think it had some interesting things to say about how far the gay and queer community has come since the 80s yeah yeah but it's it's coming at it from the angle of um the, the mother in particular uh being worried for her son because mm. uh, he she she thinks that he'll be Ages bullied of, yeah. and abused and um how it's like it wasn't normal for her generation yeah so he, she doesn't want her son to be cast as an outsider but there's also some prejudice coming directly from her as well mm-hmm. 
I know that you mentioned the father and the son relationship, but for me, I found the mother and the son relationship all the more compelling. Yeah. Because it just, it felt so real mm-hmm. and you could tell that Claire Foy, her character, was dealing with lots of complex emotions inside her head and trying to process it, trying to say the right thing, but also that thing that mothers do and that they're just bluntly honest with you. Mm-hmm. That's a sweeping generalization, but from, from a personal perspective, parents can be very, very, very honest. Right. And then they're like, oh, mm-hmm. didn't really realise how that would land. <laughs> <laughs> That was probably the, one of the best things in the film. Yeah. That mm. bit. I really love the, the premise, the idea that this grown man could get the chance to meet his, his parents mm-hmm. who had departed and uh, mm-hmm. they got the chance to, to see who he turned out to be. And um, I love that it, 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 it's not about how are they there? What's happening? Are mm-hmm. they ghosts? Are they imagined? Or yeah. what it is? They're just it's there. Just it's there. Just, just the premise. And it's, it's about relationships. And uh, it put me in mind of um, one of my favourite films of recent years, uh, Petite Maman. Yes. She has an eight-year-old girl who uh, meets and makes friends with an eight-year-old version of her own mother. And that's just also just not explained. And that's great because it just gives mm-hmm. you um, a scenario in which to explore character relationships, which is the interesting thing. You don't need a time machine for some of these ideas. No. I'm quite happy to just say... What if this just happened? Don't worry about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing um, that put me in mind of Petite Maman was the fact that it had a really good ending and Celine Siama does endings brilliantly. So when I walked out of the cinema and wasn't sure about the ending, the very last shot I absolutely loved. Yeah. Um, yeah. That hit me with a music, wallop. Yeah, the perfect music choice for that as well. Mm-hmm. What comes before that, I wasn't sure about when I left the cinema and I kind of thought about it overnight and by the next day I was like, yep, Okay, I, mm. I understand what he's doing and I, I, I get that now. And That's great that a, a film makes you do that. Mm-hmm, like yeah. if you you leave feeling one way or, or you leave feeling a little bit uncertain, but it sits with you and then mm-hmm. suddenly it makes you feel something even after you've left it. I love it when films do that. Normally I come out of a cinema having loved a film and then Andy spends 10 minutes <laughs> telling me everything that was wrong with it. I go, damn, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I absolutely adored it. Uh, I, I didn't know an awful lot about it going in and it was a, a real, real presence of Surprise. Yeah, it's a story that you can just become so mm. absorbed in. And the fact that Andrew Scott didn't get an acting nom is... I was going to say, so yeah, how many Oscar nominations out of 10 should Oliver Strangers be nominated for? Nine. Nine out of 10. Mm, I concur. Excellent. All right. Should we go in a different direction? Should we go into Assassin's Land with Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Okay. I've been watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is a new show very loosely based on the 2005 Doug Lyman movie, which starred Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt as husband and wife, each working in secret for different spy agencies, both assigned the mission of bumping off their partner. That was also the movie responsible for bringing Brangelina into the world, I think. Oh yes, that's where things happen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But they've gone completely differently with this one. This time they're just thrown together as a couple to work for a mysterious spy agency. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pretending to be a couple. Yes. It's the brainchild of Donald Glover and Francesca Sloan, who was initially developing it with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, mm. before they fell out over creative differences. So apparently she and Glover had quite yeah. different ideas about where it should go. Should have done the Kessel Run faster. Yeah. <laughs> they're both also quite strong and opinionated creatives and obviously just yes, yeah. couldn't necessarily work out how to balance what they both wanted. Donald Glover has a particular style of writing, which you see. Have you seen Atlanta? I haven't, no, but yeah. it's the same producer. Donald Glover is quite 
laconic, almost laid back, relaxed style. And I, yeah. I could see that clashing with She's the Phoebe Waller-Bridge, yeah. screwball kind of. Yeah. Would have liked to see that version though. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. Oddly enough, that kind of put an idea into my head what to expect. And the lady that got to play the role, who is Maya Erskine, is very different to how you'd imagine Phoebe Waller-Bridge would be. Sort of unshowy, but realistically likeable, balancing well against mm-hmm. Glover's easy charm. I found it all relatively low-key in the first few episodes. Not the sort of huge Bond-style spy adventure like the fairly terrible and shallow True Lie series last year, which was awful. You mentioned this the other day. In a yeah. you, you mentioned, no, like, like the True Lie series last year. Like, what True Lie series last year? I'd obviously yeah. banged myself on the head after watching it. We were sh- watched one episode and were, no, we're not mm. doing that again. But this is a much quieter affair, more interested in their evolving relationship than it is in blowing shit up every episode. Over the first few episodes, we see their relationship grow and develop as they reveal more about each other and what got them to this situation, and the missions and the guest stars get bigger. That guest list includes John Turturro, Alexander Skarsgård, Michaela Cole, Parker Posey, Ron Perlman, and Donald Glover's mum. Hmm. If the idea of being a spy show puts you off, don't let it. It's more intelligent than mere spectacle. There are eight episodes of between 45 minutes and an hour each, and they're all available on Amazon Prime. So you've only seen two episodes. Yes. Yeah, I've seen four. I've seen half of the first episode and won't be seeing any more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm at the end of episode four and nothing has happened. I know, I know when it's <laughs> going to happen. I googled this. Right. Uh, yes, mm. there is a cat. And this, the re- uh, what oh, happens what to the cat is the reason I will not be watching oh, okay. anymore. So it wasn't to do with your opinion of no. how the thing was playing out. Phoebe Waller-Bridge wouldn't have killed the cat. <laughs> it gets more spectacle in the episodes three and four. Oh, certainly episode three is uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, Adventure on Ski Slopes. Oddly enough, I could tell just looking at the thumbnails that things get much yeah. bigger. Episode four is very, very weird and takes a turn at the end, but it's very funny. Right. So each episode so far has had its own specific tone for me. Mm-hmm. I think the relationship between the two cats is great. I think Maya Erskine in particular is really, really good. Donald Clunover, as executive producer, seems to have every opportunity he can to take his shirt off. Yes, he's <laughs> noticed that in episode two. In every single episode, he's wandering around with very little longer. Look, I've been to the gym. Uh, Louise um, commented in our shared discussion group that she got the impression he was trying to shag her at, at every moment. Yeah. It's, Not Louise, I, I mean, but how, I don't, Again, how spoilery do we want to go? I don't think we should cover that. But I think like they, the, the point you made about like the Brangelina that the, at the beginning, one of the reasons that movie was so successful was because of the sizzling chemistry mm-hmm. between Brad and Angelina. And they did like play a married couple who had secrets, where yes. this seems like the inverse, yeah. where they don't actually know each other. They've been forced together to, be, to play pretend mm-hmm, marriage mm-hmm. so there's no secrets but also a fake marriage so it's kind of like the opposite yeah is it yeah. kind of working is it do you feel kind of intrigued by how their relationship is going to pan out or some of the reviews i've read have said it in a way it's more a romance with a bit of spy stuff thrown yeah, in than the I opposite that. and mm-hmm. i think that's fairly that's true based on yeah. what i've seen yeah. so do the guest stars distract or do you feel they are no i thought john Silver was a lot of fun in the second one yes. he was clearly ha- having a good time um Sharon Horgan, third one, you kind of go, that's Ooh. just Sharon Horgan there. Mm-hmm. So, but she has a nice, juicy, interesting character. It reminded me a little bit almost of Poker Face in that way. Oh, yeah. That very big, glossy, big guest star in every episode. Is it separate enough in each story? Because that's it's, one of the defining things for Poker Face. Yeah, it's fairly episodic. So you've got the ongoing romance relationship 
comedy between the Mr. and Mrs. Smith. But each episode is them going on a different mission, and that mission is concluded by the end of oh, the okay. episode. Oh, okay. It's like Monster of the Week kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, obviously, you've watched four of them. Does that mean you're sticking with it? Uh, there's only eight. Mm-hmm. So, yes. <laughs> I enjoyed the end of episode four. Is it all being released at once? Or yeah. Is it? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. It takes turns during episodes sometimes that are unexpected, so you're never bored. You're always interested in 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 what's going on. It's a shame because I I was excited about this, mm-hmm. but there are mm. just could you not just skip that scene? Does the website what's it would, called again? Would, would you like me? Guess I'm gonna I'm probably gonna watch the rest of it over the next couple of days. I know, it's in the finale. Uh, okay, so you could watch up until the finale. I just I kind of just don't. I mean, the cat's a bit of a shit. What cats are like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So, how many um, dead cats? No. no. How, how many? How many Donald Glovers chests? Ha- chests out of <laughs> how many topless Donald Glovers out of ten? Uh, let's give it an eight. Eight. Hmm. Yeah, and we'll see how it goes during the series. It could I, go up or down. Half. I'm a seven at the minute. Right. I get halfway through. God, but I mean, you could have just watched it yesterday, Peter. I'm watching it with my wife, and she will not watch everything in a massive binge, as a general rule. Just watch it without telling her, and then pretend you haven't watched it when she watches it again. Yeah, she's like the opposite to me, because we started watching one day, and I kind of said to Andy, because this would be like a TV show that um, I would have just completely binged, it's based on my favourite books, but I did the polite thing and asked Andy if he'd like to watch it, and he was like, yeah, sure, and part of me was like, oh, God. <laughs> now I have to <laughs> wait for him. Now I have to yeah. wait for him, <laughs> otherwise I'd have watched all the episodes in one day. Yeah. I'm one hour, I've been one hour and five minutes into Anatomy of a Fall for a week and a half after Louise decided she wanted to watch it. Uh, yeah. When she came in, when I, I was halfway through <laughs> All the more reason to watch things like this in the cinema. Hazel. Yes, John. Uh, what would you like to recommend for us this week? I would love to recommend American Fiction, which is a new comedy drama starring Jeffrey Wright as Monk Ellison. Monk is an author whose books are praised for their quality of writing, but not so much for their high sales rates. So he's asked by his editor to write more black. Monk does not believe in that. He doesn't want to fall into some sort of category or stereotype. He's like, I'm black, therefore this is black fiction. He visits a bookstore and sees his books in the African-American section. He like very amusingly lectures an employee about why that is. So one night, partly out of frustration and partly as a joke, he sits down to craft my pathology, spelled with an F. It is a novel rich with black stereotypes and tropes, including absentee fathers and gun violence. He authors it under the name Stag R. Lee, which is a hint to someone that I learned, and I learned this afterwards, he was an 18th century pimp. He was, and uh, there is a Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds song. Is there? Uh, called Stag I think he's, he's inspired a few songs, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, book publishers love it. They see it as a raw, brutal experience piece that is, quote, so relevant right now. So they offer him an absolute fortune for the rights and promise a huge publicity tour. And no one seems to understand that all of this is a huge joke and all of the nuances have gone right over everybody's head. So Monk soon begins to regret writing it, except he's having a really, really tough time in his personal life and the money would actually really help with that. So things start to snowball as he is forced to carry on the pretense. His personal drama... If you watch the trailer, it doesn't go into any of this. It's actually more than half the movie and it's done exceptionally well. And, you know, he, he basically, he suddenly needs to spend more time with his family. 
including his siblings who are played by Sterling K. Brown and Tracy Allen Ross, and also his mother, who is played by Leslie Ugams. She is showing signs of dementia. So what I kind of want to emphasize about this film is dementia aside how funny it is it is (laughs) Mm -hmm. like we saw it in the cinema and there was audible laugh out loud moments every few minutes it's like a really joyous experience when you're sharing that with an audience it's a really smart script very witty it forces us to explore the subject matter from several different sides and not just monks and as much as i was laughing it also hit a lot of other emotions in me because i find myself tearing up more than once Jeffrey Wright is amazing. He is very rightly nominated for a Best Actor Oscar. I'm sure he's going to get it because I think it's all um, Oppenheimer, isn't it? Yeah. He goes from grumpy, deadpan to pained and regretful in an instant. Sterling K. Brown has also been nominated as a supporting actor. I do think he deserves it. I know there was one in our fold who was like, I don't understand why he's been nominated. He's barely in it. I thought he was great. He's, you know, he's, he's got a yeah. huge impact. Yeah. He, so he's an actor who always displays a really, really soulful performance. But I think here he goes to new levels. And his relationship with Monk is probably one of the favourite things in the movie. And there are many, many, many favourite things about this movie. And he's really funny in it as well. He's very funny. Yeah. yeah. The best way I can recommend this movie is to tell you that. Uh, so we had plans to go home after the cinema and do some like house chores, cook a sensible meal, blah blah blah. Furious jumping. Furious jumping. <laughs> <laughs> after, <laughs> after we came out, I said to Andy, "Like this is the kind of movie that makes you want to celebrate art and." the fact that we have the luxury of being able to watch something like this. So we went to a lovely restaurant when we made a toast to art because this is the kind of movie that makes you so grateful for this kind of medium. It really engages you. It made my entire soul and body laugh and it just made me tingly with all the emotions after it. So I absolutely loved it. Nice. The central concept about a writer or maybe a filmmaker who creates something almost out of frustration, and it becomes a massive hit that runs away. It's, it's kind of been explored in a few things, but I'm trying to work out what it reminds me of. There's a film that came out a couple of years ago called World's Greatest Dad with Robin mm. Williams. And the concept of that film was uh, Robin Williams is a teacher and wannabe writer who can't get anything published. And he has a horrible teenage son who chokes himself to death watching internet porn, as you do. Um, you may. Yeah. yeah and literally. Literally, what do you could say? It's got a term, sexy asphyxiation or something like that. Auto-erotic asphyxiation. That, that's the one. I knew you'd know it, Peter. <laughs> um, and uh, he doesn't want to reveal to the world that that's how his son died. So he tells everyone his son commits suicide and writes a beautiful suicide note. And everyone reads this suicide note because, oh my God, this teenage boy who we thought was a horrible person was in fact this sweet, sensitive soul. And then Robin Williams is like, yes, there's lots of other things he wrote as well and starts passing his writing off as his dead Uh. teenage sons and it spirals and spirals. And it's it's, it's such a, I think there's a book as well of um, American fiction. Yeah, it's um, a book called Erasure. So it'd be interesting. It was quite a similar concept and quite similarly done, which was... It wasn't that. I think it's perhaps the thing that's been revisited a few times 
over the years mm-hmm. one way or another. And, and it may not be a specific thing. It may just be almost like one of those standard setups. That Yeah, it's like um, yeah. tortured artists want to do things their way mm-hmm. that the market mm-hmm. is saying otherwise. So they capitulate and then suddenly, yeah, it's a massive success. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think it, that concept has certainly been done before, but I'm not sure I've seen it done in this particular mm-hmm. way yeah. where it's like he doesn't want to fall into the, the black trope stereotypes talking about, you know, how... People are constantly suffering or impoverished, even beyond the, the stereotypes of absentee fathers and you know uh, gangs and things like that. And the point that he's making is really, really interesting, especially when he goes head to head with another author who has written a book like that, mm-hmm. and she gets to say her piece as to why she wrote that. It's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. So the the book apparently the the whole middle section of the book is my pathology. So you get the full oh, really? novel <laughs> as part of the book. Uh, wow. The way that it comes to life in the film is really interesting. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to like go into specific details, mm-hmm. but um, there's some interesting things that happen there yeah it does sound like the tone is much lighter than i might have expected from the subject matter so yeah. that mm. that kind of makes it more appealing to me it is it is it, it is a rollicking time mm. but it, it does make you think as well a line towards the end that's the funniest line i've heard in a long time just made me <laughs> really just the writing really reminded me laughing. of aaron sorkin actually yeah it's it's focused on character development um and the and the way that people speak to each other is very, very mm-hmm. quick and very, very funny. So, yeah, it did remind me a bit of uh, Sorkinese. I really enjoyed it. Well, it felt like it was going to be something that was quite up my street. Yeah. You're right, the writing is so sharp and funny and very well played. Because Mark Kermode said that the drama aspects so his personal life detracted a bit and he didn't enjoy them as much as the story about the book. And Simon Mayo fundamentally disagreed with him, as do I. Like, mm-hmm. the drama was probably the, one of the best parts for me, but, like, because you'd have very little soul. There was more... Oh, you say John, because John has very little soul. I mean, I was going to, and then I regretted it, but now I'm kind of... That's the way I'm phrasing the question. There was a lot more of the drama stuff than I expected compared to the book stuff. I think the balance was right, and I think... The stuff with the mother was, was really incredible. nicely done. You you haven't seen this then, Peter? Uh, no, but it's I'm more interested now hearing mm-hmm. you talk about it. Yeah, you, you really should see it if mm-hmm. you can. It's still in the cinemas at the moment. First time director as well, Paul Jefferson, who also wrote it, and now it's it's doing really well and is getting great Oscar buzz. So mm. yeah, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Cool. Go see. How many? How many? white people who think it's really, really important to listen to black voices right now <laughs> out of 10. Oh, 10. <laughs> Definitely 10 out of 10. All right, Andy, what have you got? Uh, well, I'd like to recommend sh- The Octopus. Yes. Um, <laughs> or more accurately, I don't want to. Um, on the last episode, Hazel told us all about a film from the 30s called Shh, The Octopus, and I thought that sounded hilarious, and I sought it out, and I watched it, and I regret it. <laughs> it Did you was- watch all of that? I did. It's only 54 minutes long, mm. which is one of the best things about the film. <laughs> mm. um, so not that. Instead of that, I'm going to recommend The Holdovers, uh, oh, yeah. which is a comedy drama film released last month, but it's still in cinemas right now and presumably coming to streaming services soon. It's set in 1970, stars Paul Giamatti as Mr. Hunnam, a curmudgeonly teacher of classical studies at a prestigious boarding school. Uh, He's a bit of a prickly character. He's aloof, judgmental, quite hard on his students, and he's almost universally disliked by the kids and his colleagues, particularly the headmaster who's angry at him for giving a bad grade to the son of an important donor. 
At Christmas time, everyone packs up and goes home, except a small handful of students who have nowhere to go for various reasons. Mr. Hunnam finds himself stuck with the responsibility of staying at school over the holidays to look after them. He's aided by head chef Mary, who is grieving for her son, who was killed fighting in Vietnam. Mr. Hunnam enforces mandatory study and exercise for the kids during the Christmas break. <laughs> Couldn't believe that. And he clashes with one of them in particular, Angus Tully, uh, a bright young man who's struggling with a turbulent home life. And uh, over time, Hunnam, Mary and Tully come to learn more about one another and slowly develop into a sort of makeshift family. So this is a really warm, character-driven film. And spiky, lonely people thrust together, unhappy about it and clashing badly, uh, but then gradually beginning to understand each other a bit better and bonding in ways that they never expected. Characters are rich, deep and believable. It's really satisfying to watch people who start out being, well, dickheads, kind of, um, have layers peeled away to reveal vulnerable humanity at their cause. Um, the evolution of the relationship between Hunnam and Tully is really beautiful, but it's never kind of trite or overly sentimental. It's uh, a film that in other hands could have devolved into schmaltz, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's also very funny. Um, plenty of good jokes. They're always rooted in character. Uh, Best than- line of the year as well. I won't <laughs> say what it is because like, you've got to wait for it. I don't see it being topped. It's a, a very strong insult. Yes. Yes. Towards the end. Yes. Yes. Yep. yes. I intend to use that in an improv show. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't intend to do anything in an no, improv show. not Hazel. planning. It's just going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, a really fun uh, 1970s aesthetic, very deliberately cultivated uh, cinematography, designed to produce a real vintage look with lenses they use and colour grading. I don't understand these things. Even things like the credits at the beginning, the style of the credits. Yeah, and yeah. the studio signatures at the beginning are uh, done in a, a very retro kind of of the era style. I really enjoyed. Um, it uh, would make a great Christmas film. It was released in the middle of January in the UK, but what can you do? But uh, it doesn't lean so heavily on the Christmas imagery and, and, and ideas that it would feel strange to watch it at any other time of the year. So I'd like it to come back at Christmas time in cinemas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope it does. Yeah, but it's it's absolutely gorgeous. It's it's warm and joyous, and there's a lot of pathos in there. But I can't stress how thrilled I am at how character driven it is. They take people, they force them together, they don't want to be together, and then they just have to deal. And it's just about people and relationships, and um, it's it's terrific. For a film set in Boston in December and January, uh, with surrounded by so much snow, it is an incredibly warm film. Mm. It really is. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, yeah, the emphasis on the human characters, characters absolutely bang on. He was the actor who played Tilly. Was he, um, I think it was a... a Debut performance. I uh, believe so, yeah, I'm sure. Dominic Sessa. Yeah, because that's the there's been all the talk has been about Paul Giamatti in the and, acting and um, stuff. Mm-hmm. Devine Joy Randolph. Devine Joy yeah. Randolph, yeah. yeah. But I thought the, the person that played the kid was excellent. He was, he was really good, very natural. And I'm surprised there's not been any award buzz or talk about him. That's what a good point. It? I hadn't yeah. thought about that, but it, yeah, it was a really good performance. He's, I mean, the character's, what, 17, 18 years old? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Devine Joy Randall's very different in this to the only other thing I've seen her in, which was that um, sitcom with uh, Karen Gillan in called Selfie. I never saw that because it was a sitcom called Selfie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But beautiful and pained. Mm. And, you know, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that she's going through tremendous grief. Mm-hmm. Very dignified and strong. In the way she deals with that grief. Yeah. Not the a cliche. Yeah, she's dealing with it internally, but we can kind of see it externally as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that's why she's getting great reviews. It's another film, again, like American Fiction, that was a lot funnier than I expected it to be going in. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I would say about it is, unlike all the other things we've talked about this week, where they've gone off in interesting directions and they've zigged and zagged and we've been surprised, I could have pretty much guessed yeah. the arc of this film from the start and where it was going to go and not the specific but you know the general arc of okay well they're going to come and understand each yeah. other so it's predictable slightly but in a but i think that's okay it's a nice hook yeah. of a movie i don't think like every movie needs to have your christopher nolan twisty thing yeah. or your david fincher twi- yeah. lots of christopher nolan's films don't need the christopher nolan <laughs> yeah just, just <laughs> stop it Stella, i'm looking at you stop it chris yeah, so some films you just kind of, you're along for the ride and it's all about the human characters and how they react to things rather than something left mm. field happening. So yeah, I think that, that's a good point, but it also like it didn't yeah. uh, spoil my enjoyment. It's not necessarily a criticism. No, yeah. I'm an observation. It's like one of those lovely 70s films where it's the narrative and the dialogue and the characterization rather than... Yeah, they don't make them like that anymore. Well, clearly they do. <laughs> <laughs> Seen as the film came out last week. <laughs> good observation. <laughs> so have you seen this, Peter? Uh, I have, yes. I, I enjoyed it. It felt oddly familiar, almost like I'd seen it before at some Well, you've lived way. through the 70s. Well, thank mm-hmm. you. I also went to boarding school, but it wasn't yeah. like yeah. that. And your eyes go in very different directions. Yeah, I don't smell a fish. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, Dan, Dan saw this and he was convinced that Paul Giamatti's eye switches from scene to scene. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I wondered that as well. Well, there is one thing where a character says which one is which, the eye I should yeah. look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Paul Giamatti's character has um, a lazy eye in the film. Uh, Paul Giamatti does not have a lazy eye. Um, so I is don't it know CG eye? I, I don't know. I, I made that exact same joke. CG eye eye. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't even drawing for that joke. The joke, is it? <laughs> Incrementally less. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so how many eyeballs? Oh, no. <laughs> how many different directions in 10 does Paul Giamatti's eye go? <sighs> yeah, I didn't notice any of that. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a 10. It's the best film of the year so far. Mm. Mm. I disagree. How dare you? <laughs> you know how we should settle this? Fight. Fight. No. <laughs> by reading some of the most romantic quotes in movies together and then we'll all fall back in love with each other (laughs) right sounds good famous romantic movie quotes and you just have to tell me the name of the film however i've made things a little bit more difficult in that i've changed the quotes by using a a thesaurus Uh, okay okay. so as an example okay i have amorous feelings towards you i am aware of this is I, I love you. you. I, I know. know. From uh, Empire. Empire. Exactly. Okay. So work together on this because there's no scores when it comes to love. <laughs> Teamwork <laughs> makes the dream. Except 15 work. love. Anyway. Um, <laughs> number one. <laughs> Try 40 years emergency, I feel. <laughs> oh dear. You're going to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> nope. She's number, not going to listen. <laughs> number one. In the podcast or just generally? <laughs> generally. <laughs> number one. My preference would be to jointly partake in this current existence alongside yourself instead of addressing yonks of passages as a single being. That's oh, the thing I prefer to be yeah. with, rather be with you than alone. alone I think I've got that. Um, I would 
It's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, Fellowship of the Ring, I think, it's is it? Arwen. Arwen to Aragorn. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, what's the exact quote? Oh, I didn't uh, remember to write that down, but it's something like, <laughs> uh, I, I, want to, I want to share uh, one lifetime with you rather than then, all the ages of this earth alone. Yes. Something like that. Good line. Great film. Yep. Did you wonder about using yonks? <laughs> yonks, yeah. <laughs> Number two. It's possible that I lack shrewd intellect, but I recognise amorous behaviour. Oh, maybe I'm an idiot, but I love when I see it. It's what, kind of what it's saying. Yeah. Hmm. If you want a clue, it's a film John can't stand and a film I love. It's possible that I lack shrewd intellect, but I recognise amorous behaviour. Dumber, dumber. <laughs> Mandy. <laughs> is, it, is it Titanic? No. The line is said by Tom Hanks. Ah, so it's Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. I may be stupid, but I... I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Want you to show me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number three. You finish me off. <laughs> so that's you complete me yeah. yes yeah. which is oh uh, the, the dark knight <laughs> the joker says it to batman i know i know i've seen many not. many films where oh, you finish me off his big use <laughs> it is in an austin powers movie to miss many me he does mm-hmm. you complete me yeah i'll take it what what where did the original come from before it became the meme is it something like say anything or do you not know this i know it as soon as you yeah. say it but i've just gone blank on it jerry Maguire. yes I'm better at my own quotes than you guys are. <laughs> it's really weird because I've seen uh, most of my sexual experiences are you finish me off full by showing me the money. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is that one of those jokes that's going to make Louise less attractive yeah. to you? <laughs> <laughs> Incrementally less aroused was the term she used. <laughs> okay. Number four. Upon which one concludes that one wishes to endure all remaining spans of time with a homo sapien. One wishes the remaining spans of time to commence with much speed. Not a catchy lie, <laughs> It was. So one wishes to, I want to. Mm-hmm. Let's break it down. Upon which one concludes... In conclusion... <laughs> no. At the end of the, at at the, end the, end of the day. day? No. Upon which one concludes that one wishes to endure all remaining spans of time with a homo sapien. With a man. Okay. I don't know if you're going to get this. So um, when (laughs) when somebody knows that you want to spend all of your life with someone, one wishes the rest of your life to commence with much speed. You guys don't know this one. No. When Harry met Sally. Oh, I have seen that. <laughs> I was going to say right. the Dark Knight again. I always say this every Valentine's Day. Watch Harry Matt Sally, all those old couples on the sofa. Every single one of them dead now. <laughs> you old romantic, you. <laughs> Number five. Behold her with your eyes. I would kick the bucket for her. I would exterminate for her. No matter the outcome, what harmony? So that's I would die for her. You know that I one? would kill for her. I think I do know, yeah. Go on then. The Adams family. The Adams family, <laughs> yeah. Look at her. I would die for her. I'd kill for her. Either way, what bliss. Great film. I love The Adam Family. Number six. One wants to inquire how to dismiss you. I've got it. I want to know how to lose you. I want to know how to... I can't... I don't know how to quit you. Don't know how to quit you. <laughs> from, from? Brokeback Mountain. I? <laughs> you ain't used that fishing rod. 
I've not seen that. I ought to watch Number seven. It's very good. Thou wishes to be in ownership of that lunar object? Simply reply in the affirmative and I shall fling a rope in its general direction. Yeah. So I take you to the moon and I'll, I'll, lasso, I'll lasso the moon for you? There are people screaming at their phones right now. Oh, yeah. Come on, everybody. Oh, I, I know it. I'm just watching uh, John do the squirm. You don't know a film that includes a moon and someone throwing a lasso at it? Bruce Almighty. Joking. I clearly do, but again, my brain is, is not working today. Peter? I don't know either. Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life? No. Hmm. What? You've never seen It's a Wonderful Life? Shame, 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 shame on you, Miss Roxy. Have, you, have, we, have we talked about before, have you ever seen the Fly and Lorry version of It's a Wonderful Life? But it's Rupert Murdoch, yeah. and everything's just great. <laughs> Number eight. I am obligated to caution you. I have received news that affilations that commence are constructed upon powerful incidences under no circumstances are successful. Is that affiliations? Yes. Couplings. I am obligated to caution you. I have received news that... I have to tell you. Romeo and Juliet? Nope. So the first one I am obligated... Yeah, I must warn you. This is a blockbuster film, 90s action. A certain bus needs oh, to go. It's, uh, relationships yeah. that begin under the stressful circumstances don't extend. Yeah. 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 It's right. Yeah. All right. Two of these to go. Number nine. This is a hard one. This is probably the most hard one. Um, in- this is a hard one. Yes. That, again, is that film? That's uh, a, no, no, no. It's the same one with the money <laughs> and the finishing off. Yeah. Uh, in an alternate universe. I believe I would have been fond of simply partaking in clothes washing and fulfilling our national dues together. Another world, I would do laundry. Yep. And got it. Fulfilling our national dues. Something we all have to do. Yep. 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 I know it. It's a recent film. Nope. Sorry. I I try to um, influence you with an alternate universe. Everything, everywhere, all at once? Correct. Yes. Yeah. In another life, I think I'd have just liked to uh, do laundry and pay taxes with you. All right. And finally, number 10. Together, we shall permanently own the capital of France. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Got it. Yep. So you and I, Paris. Yeah. We'll always have Paris. We'll always have Paris uh, from Casablanca. Yep. There we go. (laughs) Excellent. Very nice. You guys are less romantic than... We are. <laughs> oh, less Apart wordy. from Andy, who got them all. I, I have moderate romance. <laughs> that is all for this episode of Nerdfest. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be right back ruining a podcast feeds in a matter of mere weeks. But if you can't wait that long, we have our entire back catalogue of all 150 episodes available. Plus, you can always follow our musings on social media at Nerdfest UK. Between now and next episode, you can feed the algorithms by leaving us a lovely review. And in return, John has a present for you. I will come down to your house and I will sit and watch all of Andy's movie recommendations with you. Whether that is a reward or punishment, we shall remain <laughs> to be seen. <laughs> Until next time, you've been listening to... A man who's a double agent trying to work out how to avoid assassinating himself. <laughs> a man whose gladiator name is Spaniel. <laughs> a man who wants to go back to his parents in the 80s and come out as somebody who wants to do improv. 
And an adult female who's been associated with three adult males to harvest a production of audio. Together we'll visualise our audience at the next production. So long. Bye-bye. <laughs>